0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Am I where I need to be?
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tunnel Vision, a show presented to you by USCfootball.com. We're back here with the Thursday crew. I'm your host, Jack Smith, joined by RJ Badia and Ryan Abraham in the Tunnel Vision studios to talk some USC football and preview USC's bout with Arizona this coming Saturday down in Tucson, Arizona. Ryan, RJ, I'm glad to be back with you guys. It's good to have, you know, another crew in set. Yeah, we're here. We're,
2: we're back. back. Yeah, no. I've been in on a Tuesday, sh- uh, Thursday show in a while. The original lineup is back. The original yeah. lineup. I love it. Uh, it feel like. Does it feel like we've not had football for like a month?
1: It kind of does. Does it
2: feel weird? <laughs> well, I feel I, a little was, weird. A I, little bit. Yeah.
1: I was sick for Utah, and then the bye week, and now we're coming here on this week. So it, it feels really weird. But
2: did I do your chair for Utah or something? I can't no. remember what we did. Something like that. But or maybe we didn't do there one. It was a you. show for. We Utah. didn't do it Utah. Oh, because we had Jack on the shelf, yeah. which is not good.
0: Well, it's been a month. It'll be a month between home games, right? So that I think that really kind of makes it feel like
2: a little there's yeah. Been the,
0: a, there's the, been a lag,
2: the bye week, the sort of hangover from the Utah game, and I think people are fired up for this one. Just the vibe you get around campus, just people want to get back on the field. And I think even after the game, you know, they were talking about like let's go practice right now. It would have been better if you had like a home game, like if the Cow Game was coming up or something, as opposed to going on the road for Arizona, but I'm really curious to see how this team responds. Because obviously the last, you know, the last thing, you know, you were leading or, you know, tighter leading for 59 minutes plus, And then at the very end, you lose that game. Heartbreaker. Caleb Williams crying. You got a week off. You sort of like a lot of extra time to absorb that loss. Like the bounty, the quicker picker up, or just absorbing all of it, absorbing all the juices of that loss. And now you get to go on the road and take out a team that's really, really bad on defense and yeah. then but uh, pretty good on offense.
0: Yeah. And I think the other part of it to me that I'm really interested in is just to see USC physically, because Lincoln Riley made it very clear during the bye week this was not going to be easing up on the throttle. True. Especially given the given the um given the nature of the loss, right? USC struggled on defense. They struggled to tackle. It was, it was rough, right? And so Lincoln Riley made it clear last week this was going to be physical. This is real practice. This wasn't going to be a, a rest week. We know, I think, from talking to Brett Elon, um they got Saturday off. They got last Saturday off That's to good. just be college football fans. But aside from that, it's been full go. So you're just kind of curious about I think our anxiety, for them, it's like a trillion times, right, to be in their game uniforms. (laughs) You know, you're sitting on – how many times on campus have they been asked about the Utah game at this point? You know what I mean? So I do think there's some anxiety, and I think it's largely kind of positive, just ready to go that we that we picked up on from them this week yeah
1: yeah exactly i think we're ready to go on the podcast it feels good to be back even though it has felt like a very long <laughs> Let's time do this we've been in the studio <laughs> as always leave your guys' comments uh, on youtube and i don't know orion are we on facebook today
2: we're not on facebook so i'm still working on that i apologize if any of the facebook people that are watching live on youtube or on twitter thank you for doing that and you can leave your comments on youtube and jack can put them up on the screen Uh, It's been a while with the, the, I don't know, we had some weird Facebook permission thing. So I'm working with 247 on it. Hopefully we can get that resolved soon. I did talk to someone this week about it. So my apologies that we don't have uh, Facebook going yet. I know there's a lot of Facebook, you know, listeners and and viewers. So my apologies that we're not live on Facebook right now
1: yeah well if you're on youtube leave your comments down below and i'll be able to put them on the screen leave some questions that we can respond to at the end of the show if you just write question or leave a question mark at the end i'll be able to filter through them and we can cycle through uh kind of the back half of the show and respond to some questions but i wanted to start off today's show with something that we were just kind of mentioning which was the energy in and around practice from the players the coaching staff and just the overall vibe i thought there were a lot of encouraging signs morale wise coming off of a big loss against utah and the bye week usc you you, you can think about possibly coming out and not having as much energy after something like that, but it feel like there was more energy, and that's what the players were saying too. So I would say that morale-wise, confidence-wise, energy-wise, there were a lot of encouraging signs around USC practice today. Even talking to the players after practice.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was listening to some national podcasts. Like John Kazano was talking about this today when they were previewing the game, and uh, you know he covers the Pac-12 and does a great job doing it. He was at the Utah game. And he said, you know, you have all these players that came in from other places. Were you worried about, okay, now they lost. Are they going to be like check out and stuff? And I never got that vibe at all. Like, first, the chemistry on the team is way better than I thought it would be. Like, we, we talked about this a bunch of times. This isn't like a group of mercenaries. This is a guys that came together. And I feel like they are rallying around each other that this isn't going to be a a loss is sinking the ship a loss. I, I think it's a, a rallying cry to be honest. And I think that's what we've seen this week, but I don't know what do you think. RJ? Well,
0: I think you're right. And I think Mikai Blackman transfer. So kind of a perfect <laughs> example of what we're talking about said he actually made it a point from the Utah game through the bye week to make sure he was picking guys up to even actually be a little bit more vocal and be more encouraging and make sure that guys, he said, you know, the classic 24 hour rule, right? Like, That loss should not be taken any further. There were teaching points, areas improvement, whatever. Yeah. But he seemed to feel like the team's attitude was kind of where it needed to be. And, you know, if you go back, I think, to the Stanford game, one of the things that stood out was if you remember the post-game press conference, Lincoln Riley referred to um, USC's bad history at Stanford as if it was his own. Yeah, and a number of transfer – I think Travis Dye made a similar quote of like, we USC yeah. have not done well at Stanford. You know what I mean? And I just thought – th- that really kind of struck with me. Like these guys are very USC now. <laughs> they, they're not – Lincoln Riley is not the former Oklahoma coach now current. You know what I mean? He's USC's coach, yeah. right? Travis Dye is USC's running back. And I think that attitude – for whatever we don't know about this team, they've come together. They're a team. This isn't a group that, at this point, we can say with any evidence, doesn't like each other. I think they really do like each other. I think they like playing together. And I think we've seen that in a 6-1 and start.
2: And I think it's funny, you mentioned some of those guys that when you have a team that's put together this way, where there's a bunch of guys that are, you know, the Kalen Bullocks or the Tule Tui Pelotus that were, le- you know, the leftovers, the guys that came over, and then a bunch of new players, when you have a Makai Blackman... Who's emerging as a leader on the defensive side, or a Travis Die, who's calling players out and you know and being a leader? Obviously, Caleb Williams, like, to get transfers to come in, a couple of them from Pac-12 schools, and really, you know, you uh, mean, like Austin Jones when they, you know, he played against Stanford. Like, you're seeing these guys come in play like these leadership roles, and uh, that's I think that's a really good sign to see. Like, it's not just like Caleb Williams isn't here to like. Get a bunch of NIL deals and just you know try to win the Heisman and like these are guys are part of a team and I think you have to give Lincoln Riley credit for assembling that because you could bring in really good players but somehow he was able to bring in a whole bunch of guys that seemed to be on the same page and to get the transfers especially from in conference being leaders on this team sort of give an indication of what USC's. You know player leadership was like before too, uh, but yeah, they and brought coach us the yeah the, yeah it starts with the coach leadership for well
0: sure. and you know I think it's also a big thing for you know we talked about Josh Follow and Michael Jackson the three third coming out and scoring those touchdowns in those U- in that Utah game, and the whole idea of like you talked about guys who are candidates to check out. if you're the leftovers on a team when a new staff comes in, you're prime candidates to be guys who checked out yeah and not only did these guys not check out they hung in for six games of not getting any action but still working still being productive and when their moment came they stood up and they answered and lincoln riley was almost as happy for them
2: hundred percent yeah
0: in the aftermath of that as he has been for any of his transfers for any of things that Caleb Williams has done, you know, for any of his former, for Mario Williams, guys he's already known, you know, there hasn't been a, there hasn't been an our guys, their guys divide that we've been able to perceive. I think we would all kind of agree on that. Yeah. I I haven't seen
2: that. I mean, you remember even just last year, there was like a Texas versus California thing. Like there was, there were clicks. There were, this was, there were some mean girls stuff going on and I don't, I don't feel that anymore. No. Sorry for the reference. Though. I don't know if you no, got I that get, one.
1: I know what Mean Girls is. <laughs> I oh, thank you. All right. Finally. I don't we, want to distract show. We, we just hop
0: a decade <laughs> till Jack gets it. We tried the 80s, no luck. We tried the 90s, nothing. 2000s, though, okay. Somebody, an older brother, somebody told him well, something. Well, someone about. thought I didn't
1: know Star Wars. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I hate to distract the show, but I looked up for a second, and Cam Rising isn't playing for Utah. Wait. He, didn't, he didn't start.
0: Um well that's a that's a worthy distraction. Um but I do want to just finish up that one quick thing. I would say That's crazy. Seven games into the year, a lot of what I thought we'd get from Lincoln Riley we've gotten. But I've been surprised about the human element with him. I've been surprised about I mean, I don't think there's a better word, like the affection. He's really fond of this team. I think he I think it's real. I don't think he's just throwing that out there. And I don't think he's the kind of guy who puts fake emotion out there. He doesn't put a lot of emotion out there. So when he does, I think it means something, Yeah, you know, and I really do think like he's built something real. Obviously at the end of the day, it's the, f- it's the scoreboard that's going to matter. It's the wins and the losses, but there's a lot of reasons to feel good about this team. And I think that's maybe the biggest surprise about what this, this season and what the, what USC has become to this point in the year.
2: College football's changed and I know there's, we have some fans that don't like it. There's a lot of changing going on and I think you have to adapt to it, but there's, it's not always going to be good. Like we you know, for whatever reason you see like a Texas A&M that has a very effective collective that brought in the best recruiting class we've ever seen. Like the, like all the rankings that you've ever done, like this was the highest rated class in history. Um, and they're not doing very well. It's not like all those freshmen are playing, but a bunch of those guys have got suspended. There's been a lot of, it's not easy to bring together a whole bunch of talent. Like Phil Jackson was a great coach for a reason that he could take a Scottie Pippen or a Michael Jordan or a Shaq and a Kobe. Like to put those egos and all that stuff together, there's a talent to be able to do that. So you got to give Lincoln Riley credit for that. I'm not saying Jimbo Fisher can't, but they've added all this five-star talent and there's there's obviously some problems uh, on that team. Um, and you know, maybe it's different when you're adding established college players and stuff, but there, you could have brought in a whole bunch of guys that really, I mean, you bring in the bullet award winner, Jordan Addison for him to not check out of the, uh, was it the Oregon state game or whatever? Like he caught the touchdown at yeah. the end mm-hmm. really wasn't targeted at all. The offense was pretty terrible. And you'd be like, why did I come here? Why, you know? No, he was in the whole time. He would block. He would do whatever he needed to do. And he made the play at the end of the game when you needed him to make it. So all that stuff is indication of that you're right. Like, I feel like these are a bunch of guys that are playing for each other. And it didn't have to be that way.
0: And I would think, you know, Lincoln Riley mentioned this theoretically at the start of the year when he came around. Like, this isn't going to be the model. This isn't going to be the blueprint. You know what I mean? Like, right. If, you don't want to do this every year. If USC tried this 10 times in a row, <laughs> there's nothing that says it would work this smoothly The other nine times, you know what I mean? There's a reason you don't want to bring in 35 guys that you don't know who have never played a single game together. That's the other thing that you got to realize, right? Is that this roster has played seven total games together. Yeah, That's it. That's the age. You can refer to individual veterans or guys who have been through this or been through that, but it's the unit that matters, right? It's the 11 guys, the 22 guys, right? They're only seven games into their status. Like that's, that's the era. It's seven games old at this point, <laughs> and I think what we've seen off the field is as encouraging as six and one has been on the field.
2: Yeah, I love when we get to talk about like different rivalries, and when you hear from players that saw this from. Oh yeah, when you know when Travis Dye was talking about playing Oregon State, like yeah, I played those guys a bunch of times, or whatever. Like that stuff is pretty. Like, it's kind of fun. Like oh, that's a whole different perspective, you know? Or, Absolutely. Like Eric Gentry had played, you know, in front of fans at at Utah, where. Raylan Givorf didn't because he went there in 2020 when there wasn't no fans. So some of the stuff like that, you get these like different perspectives too. And I think that's all those are all teachable moments. Like everyone can kind of share their experiences. And there's a lot of kind of Pac-12 uh, influences there where you know you might be you might step up and talk about. Know, Eric Gentry might have been able to tell people about what it's like to play in front of the Mus, where a lot of the guys on the team never would have had that experience.
0: And well, I- that scene, right? The Eric Gentry scene is one of the iconic images. Again, it's so funny, right? Because they lost the game, right? But between Follow and Michael Jackson and Eric Gentry hobbling out of the ton- out of the yeah. injury tent onto the field to pump up his guys, Tyron and Hudson
2: catching a touchdown. Yeah,
0: you know there were a lot of signs that that what we've been hearing about this team's chemistry were validated. Yeah, I thought coming out of that game, and now I think it's about moving past the moral victories because there are still some pretty big things for this team to play for right now
2: yeah i think if you're like an eric gentry and you were a freshman all-america and you come over from arizona state and you could say you we could ask you a million questions you could talk about where these are my teammates and blah 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 you're not you're not hopping out of the the injury tent like and let like you could lie like you could basically say yeah and not care about the team You're not hopping out of the injury tent, like as a a ruse, you know, like that's, that was real. Like those were real emotions and it meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to the players. And I think that's a genuine aspect. I don't know how we kept going on. Not the move of a Merc. Let's just say that, right? (laughs) Like Like, that's, I love the Stanford terms. Perfect. Right. Definitely agree. (laughs) Smart guy. I think back to right. what Caleb Williams said
1: <laughs> yesterday because he, he got emotional after the game and he he mentioned that the entire locker room was pretty emotional and he said, like, the team just loves each other. He loves the team. But he said that also, and this is the part that stuck out to me, is, like, there was just a quiet confidence and, and just this, a swagger that, like, even though they lost, I think that they learned a lot about themselves in the Utah game uh, and they obviously continued that into the bye week trying to, to make the most of it to talk about how much energy there was but it definitely felt that that swagger and i know that we kind of went on talking a lot about uh, just the way they're feeling but the way caleb said it when i asked him about it yesterday is like the bye week was effective for this run we're gonna go on you know some players might say we've got a chance to run the table like no caleb williams is confident he he believes that usc is going to go on a run not throwing in the can or the might he's pretty confident and that's something that i've i've Felt a little bit more this week, which I was kind of surprised despite, you know, the loss and the buy. They might come out a little flat, I thought. Uh, they were very energized and very confident.
2: And things are setting up well, right? I mean, Arizona is probably going to be the toughest game over the next three weeks because it's on the road. And, you know, RJ and I and, and Jack, we were talking about it's hard on in the Pac-12 to win on the road. I do the podcast with champions. We talk about uh, all the Pac-12 teams. You know, and I asked Lincoln Riley about this today, about playing on the road, and he said, you know, there's just a lot of good teams. It's hard to get road wins in the conference. USC likely has the best road win in the entire conference, winning at Oregon State. That was a weird game where they, you know, only scored 17 points. Easily, Oregon State could have won that game, obviously. But that's a that's a big one. That's a big road win. Oregon got one at Washington State. That Washington State was in control of the game, and they had to, like, certainly coo it at the end. Mm-hmm. That was a three-point... You, know, you saw Oregon destroy... UCLA at home, that was a three-point win on the road that the game they should have lost, too. So, I mean, both good road you know road wins in the Pac-12 could have easily not been. Um, the, so, I mean, what's the best road result? Like, USC losing by a point in the last second, to Utah, Utah, might be the best, like, road result. Like, I don't know if we're going to see anyone else go into to Rice-Eccles and be that close. You know, it's just hard. And uh, there's a lot of double-digit, you know, home dogs this week in the Pac-12, you know, Arizona is one of them. Uh, will, it, is it going to be closer than that? So it's, for whatever reason, that's just one of the trends I've seen in the Pac-12. It's just hard. You play a lot worse on the road, you know. Um, you know, we'll see. Like, with you know, Utah, what, what, you know Jack mentioned, Utah's playing Washington State right now. And Cam Risen isn't starting. Tavion Thomas is out. I think one of the other running backs is out. For whatever reason, it's just not easy uh, to get these road wins, actually, it would be a good result for USC if if Utah ends up losing, right? Because be yeah, so uh, if they go on the road and, and lose to Washington State, so you should you know it's a FS1 if you guys want to you know put it on the side while you're watching tunnel exactly vision. yeah. Uh, but just just know Priority going into said. this, it's going to be you know going on the road is not easy. Um, you you know USC's looked you know that, I was really impressed with USC's offense when they went to. Salt Lake City because the offense looked terrible at Oregon State. They handle the noise a lot better. It's not going to be the same kind of environment, but it is homecoming, I think, for Arizona. Yeah. Um, Halloween, Halloween, actual Twelve after dark, Tucson, Bronc honorary captain. Yeah, like there, you know, there's going to be some weird stuff. Like you're going to get like Lincoln Riley talked about this. I think it was at the the Utah game where you had you had to overcome a lot. You know, there was a lot to overcome. You know, yeah. it was the emotional night with uh, you know the 22. it and all yeah you know, all that you're going to probably have to overcome a bunch of stuff there too. Now, Arizona's like, USC should score a lot of points on Arizona, but Arizona can put up points and USC's defense certainly been suspect at times. So I I think you get through this one, you just want to get a win on the road. If you win by like 10 or something, great. Come home, you get, you know, Colorado and Cal and Colorado, and then you got the big rivalry games coming up. But I, to your point, Jack, about making a run, it's certainly set up for USC to make a run. If you end up nine and one, going into the UCLA game, I think you're feeling pretty good about stuff, you know? So, but you got to take, There are going to be steps at a time. The first step is go on the road again and get a win uh, in the PAC 12, which like we talked about, it's not easy.
0: Yeah. There's always plot twists, right? Yeah. And I think <laughs> if you look at the next three games for USC, they will be favored in all three of those games. They will be double digit favorites. Yeah. I don't think I'm going out on a, this big, will be them. the
2: closest spread, probably the 15. And I think half. that's yeah. fair. Yeah.
0: Um, but you do have to be prepared for a plot twist, for something to go wrong, and for you to have to win a game in an unconventional way, or maybe it goes on a little bit longer than, you know, competitively than you think maybe it should. Yes. But I think kind of your larger point of just, the the only thing USC needs to have momentum right now is to win the game. Yes. You know, we talked, you know, on previous um, previous Tunnel Visions, you know, where you were, well, we'll just say you were on assignment, but I mean, no one really knows where you are when you disappear on us. But um, we talked about how a win wasn't enough in games like Fresno State yeah. or maybe Arizona State or Washington State where, like, you're trying to establish your level of play. You should play your level of play. It shouldn't be this thing where, like, we're playing down to this team, but we're up for this team. you know. But I would say coming off a bye, coming off a loss, on the road against a potent offense, the win's a win. Yes. You know, yes, Arizona's defense is putrid, but their their <laughs> offense is legit. Their offense is no joke. Yeah. And by the way, like, you know, not to tease an article that may or may not be coming out in the Ooh, next 24 hours, a little preview. But the big talking point, the big concern this week for 2 weeks has been tackling, right? And Arizona has some of the best, in fact, I think they've got the number 1. I think Jacob Cowing is the number 1 yards after catch receiver.
2: Oh, wow! Okay. In the
0: Pac-12, so Arizona's good in ways where usc has concern you know so as imbalanced as it is for the usc offense against the arizona defense it's not going to be a cakewalk for the usc defense this will be a legit test so again to the point if you win it you're going to feel really good about this yeah you know this isn't necessarily a style point situation the spread notwithstanding
2: yeah Kincaid had over 100 yards after contact right so i mean that's that's definitely a concern uh, like you know, we got to hear from Alex Grinch, and you kind of talked about that a little bit too. Um, it was more about what was the, the term he was using? It was like finishing, yeah. Or it, was, it wasn't necessarily like getting a position, it was more like finishing, grab a body part, yep. you know. He made a clear distinction between dudes who just didn't want to stick their nose
0: in and hit, <laughs> and guys who were more than willing to be physical and just weren't finishing, yeah. And the vast majority of what he indicated was the latter category yeah right it's, you know, this USC team you know I think of guys I think of guys like Max Williams and Jalen Smith who hit well beyond their listed height and weight yeah you know and I think they've got a few guys I I think this USC defense has a lot of areas to improve I don't think of them as a soft team they're not a great defensive team right now yeah. statistically you can't call them that but they are physical. I don't think of too many times this year where I thought, a, they were just consistently getting beat up. They've been beaten, yeah, as in outplayed, outworked, or whatever. But not physically beaten, right? And I haven't seen, and, and as opposed to last year, maybe the biggest contrast. I can't think of a single stretch of play this year where they've checked out or tapped out,
2: right? No, I, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. You
0: know, even in the wake of the avalanche that Utah put on them.
2: No, they, they were hitting. Running.
0: They were still, you know, I mean, it's not like they weren't there.
2: They're still and trying, they just weren't then they would give up the big play. They weren't making that play. Well, that was
0: the frustration, right? I think Shotgun had a great picture of rising on the 2-point conversion. There's literally two USC guys like yeah. that close. You know what I mean? So not it's quite. not it's 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 just about being better. And to be honest with you, the big question for me that I don't have an answer to is inside of this final 5 games. How much better can this defense get? You know, like all fan bases, Alex Grinch, the coordinator, has taken it for two weeks. Like it's oh, yeah. it's been pretty consistently, you know, and statistically, it's not crazy. We're not we're not trying to convince you that USC's an elite defense right. and you're just off the mark. But Alex Grinch, in fairness, mentioned recency bias, right? Like they are as much who they were through the first six. As they were through the four quarters in Utah, you, you can't like, okay, well these are the only four quarters we're going to judge you on. That, that's not how that works. True,
1: yeah. yeah people were. There were some praise for Grinch after the second half against Washington State where, again, they had another second-half shutout. So I'm not going to go as far as to say that the Utah game is an outlier for the USC defense because we saw that something was in the weeds, you know, after the first couple games where it's like one of these teams isn't going to make as many mistakes. They're going to score when they get in the red zone, and then USC is going to have some trouble. But, RJ, I think you're right in the fact that last year USC got pushed around and bullied, like, on the playground This year, even though they didn't make the play against Cam Rising, it's not like Cam Rising took on two tacklers and just willed his way into the goal line. USC was in position and just missed. And that's what happens. And then that that one play can decide the game. And that one play makes it so you don't have another big road win. You're not still undefeated. But it's not like Utah pushed around USC for the whole game. Uh, So I think USC was much more in control of their fate. They didn't make the play. But I think that is something that's a little bit different from last year.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's fair.
1: Well, we can get into Arizona because we we've hinted at some of the weapons they've got, and there's going to be f- some familiar names for USC fans. Where quarterback Jaden Delora transferred in from Washington State. You have Jacob Cowing at receiver, who's been statistically the best wide receiver in the Pac-12 this league or this year. Toroa McMillan. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right, but T-Mac was a USC recruit that. Uh, they went hard after him. He yeah. ended up picking Arizona. And then you've got a couple other guys, Dorian Singer. Someone asked about a tight end in the chat. They've got a sneaky tight end who's got you know upwards of 25 receptions so far and has been uh, slightly reliable for them and Tanner McLaughlin. So Lincoln Riley mentioned it. Everyone's kind of been mentioning it this week. Maybe the best group of wide receivers that USC will play this whole year. They've got a tight end as well. They run the ball with a couple of guys, but they're going to throw the ball a lot. And that could give USC some fits because they really have a, you know a great skill position group.
2: Yeah, I asked Riley about, you know, what makes this offense special. And, you know, it's another dynamic quarterback. Now, USC's done well the last couple of years against Jaden DeLore when he was at Washington State. USC's best win in the, you know, truncated uh, Clay Helton era, you know, season was on the road uh, at Washington State. That was a good win. They knocked him out, right? Yeah, I think... uh, Washington Washington
0: State lost DeLore in that game. I think they did. It's one of the funny... It's one of the details that history forgets. I yeah. mean, I have to say, like one of the weirdest things about last year was I've never seen a program more ecstatic about a win over Washington State. And I know that sounds like a lot of shade, but it's just like I mean it was Don't USC's, it was first USC's game. got how many national championships, how <laughs> many Rose Bowl championships? I've never seen the, the Peristyle was just gone wild with that game. And it was really funny because they played a great game. They really did. I think Drake London was out of his mind, yeah. as usual. makes sense. But it was a much more competitive game while Jaden Delora was in. Yeah, and they knock him out. They knock him out. That's where the margin comes. And then, you know, super dubious, I always think is, whenever you see a college guy come back into a game two quarters later. Yeah, that's probably uh, something uh, should yeah, be happening. I, some, there's a protocol, we'll just leave it at that. But anyway, you know, the point is that he can pass and Jedfish fish has coordinated an offense and there are skill guys, you know, yeah. McMillan is he six, can five. Run.
2: he can like make you miss. He can do things with, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the big, a lot of, you know, I dug in, I dug in pretty deep on a lot of we the stats, stats between him like, and Caleb Williams. A chart so, yeah. going on here no, no, no. Here. I got, I have so much, so much good stuff. I don't want to give too much away because a lot of it's coming out <laughs> in the article, but there are, there are two areas where there's a real distinction. Number one is, They both have 19 touchdown passes, but Jaden DeLore has got seven interceptions. Yeah. Caleb Williams has one. For all the things, there's a lot of different stats with Caleb that you can talk about to make him look pretty much however you want him to look if you dig deep enough. But one interception and keeping that turnover rate down is monstrous versus seven interceptions. Now, the interesting thing is that he has, he's only thrown one, DeLore has only thrown one in the last three games. So he's got better. Which is something that, Uh, Jed Fish talked about this week in the press conference like it's been a problem and overall their profile is that it's a problem. But they've been better at the last three games. They didn't have a turnover against Washington. It doesn't sound like, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, but it doesn't sound like the Arizona offense was the reason that they couldn't beat. Uh, I think
1: they
2: scored 39. Or they just gave up
0: 49. Yeah, so they've, they,
1: they've scored 30-plus points in five of seven games, and yet they're still below 500. Yeah.
0: yeah. So they've done some good things on offense. There's reason to believe that they're going to be able to do things. The other thing that's really separated these two guys is that Delora has had 17 passes dropped. Caleb Williams has had nine, and we're sitting here feeling like nine's a lot. It felt mm-hmm. like a lot. Like we've a talked 17's a, lot, a lot. We've talked a lot about Mario Williams. Like Mario Williams got four, but Cowing has seven. So, like the really good players for Arizona have been really good, but seventeen drop passes is a whole lot of drop passes. I mean yeah. I mean, just watching each one of them
2: could kill a drive, right? Yeah. There.
0: I mean, if you if you're just looking at just think of how they've hurt some of USC's drives. Yeah. It's been enough to thwart an offense that good. So seventeen, twice as many. You know, so that's why I think the details matter in this game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Keeping those advantages. If USC is the team that protects the ball, and if USC is the team that catches it and doesn't drop it, I don't see how the Arizona offense comes over the top and makes it a threat.
2: You know, we don't have uh, Chris Duvino on. But I would do for whatever reason. When you were talking, R.J., USC has one turnover through seven games. Like yeah. that's we haven't talked about. I think I asked Lincoln Riley after six games. Like you've had one turnover. He's like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, they didn't get a turnover against. They didn't turn the ball over against Utah. Arizona's defense might be the worst they face all year, or you know, one of them. They're bad. Um, my guts telling me that USC is going to get a turnover, like going to turn the ball over in this game for some reason. Like, well, just-
1: I, I think we've gotten accustomed to like. They just don't not turn are not it expecting over. it, but like football games are supposed to have turnovers. You're going to
2: have them sometimes. Like, I feel like the odds are just, you've, you've been flipping a coin. It's been heads, 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 heads. Like, I just feel like this is going to be a tails. Like, it's like there's going to be a fumble or something's going to happen. Like, you also to turn the ball over in this game.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, like you said with the coin flip, right? You have to keep betting on the thing that for some reason doesn't happen <laughs> until it happens because you just feel like the odds are still it's against like it's it. To happen. But that, yeah, I mean, that margin is ridiculous. But I also would have to say, you know, I think there was a pass. Caleb had an interception wiped off Yeah, he had a because couple. of a penalty. So maybe there have been two like that. And there's been like a that. couple muff punts. So there's been some stuff, but when I look at USC not turning the ball over, to me, that's far less fluky than the insane amount of turnovers USC's forced, right? We distinguished earlier in the year. There have been some great turnovers where pressure came, forced a bad throw defensive back made the play. Those yeah. are kind of earned turnovers as opposed to there's also a bunch on the resume where a quarterback just threw it off the ball, at the hands of his own guy yeah. and a, a room service, you know, <laughs> pick happened. But yeah. I think like, yeah, you you have to bet on it happening. But I also think you shouldn't just diminish it and dismiss it as not part of what they've done well. They work like, at that.
2: They work at that. And I feel like this defense is is opportunistic. Like they try to force turnovers, but that you're not going to get that every time. Right. And when you don't get sacks, you don't get turnovers, you ha- the Utah game happens and you're not getting stops at all. And you're just allowing, you know, so it can be a little feast or famine. Um, and there was definitely a lot of famine <laughs> in uh, the Utah game, you know, and we'll see. I think for Arizona, if you give up, a bunch of touchdown drives, but you force like two interceptions and get a fumble or something like you're going to, you're going to win the game comfortably. You know, Yeah, it's just, if Arizona like scored a whole bunch of times, but you don't get any turnovers and you never get the lower down and force a negative play, you know, all those things can kill drives and USC didn't have any of those like drive killing plays against Utah. Arizona's more likely to give those up. So you got to get some against the Wildcats.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, those are the two talking points for Alex Grinch, right? Tackling, get a guy down. If he makes a 5-yard catch, make it a 5-yard gain. Don't yeah. make it a 25-yard exactly. gain, right? And then, you know, the other part is he talked very explicitly this week about wanting more pressure specifically from the rush end position. Um it was kind of funny because I think that someone asked him about Nick Figueroa who's been getting reps over there and the question was sort of a ramp up to, "Oh, how good has he been doing?" and and you know, got kind of a thrust, but Grinch took it as like we cannot find a guy to do this job. Uh, yeah. You know, like he's basically, was matter of fact, as he kind of always is. He's like, yeah, Nick will play as long as Nick, is, Nick produces there. But we need more overall. We need more from that group. It wasn't an attack on Nick Figueroa, but yeah. it was like, we need to get pressure. And with both of these quarterbacks, two thing, one thing I will really say is, first of all, they're both used to getting pressured. It's yeah. just under 40% of their dropbacks they're facing both pressure guys? yeah okay. for both guys so it's a comparable number um in fact let's just be specific yeah for Caleb 37% for Jaden Delora 37% so they're they're pressured but both of them are exceptional outside the pocket they both make plays Yeah, you know and we've seen that for with Caleb Williams right i mean how many times has it appeared once again you're this close to him and somehow he's not sacked yeah but USC is going to be facing a similar guy. You got to finish the place. Kind of, it's very much in line with what they've been preaching all week. Like we're going to really see. Okay, you guys told us you worked on this for two weeks.
2: Let's see what you know. Did you really?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like how did it go? Like yeah. I think there's going to be. It's going to be very obvious on Saturday in that regard. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Yeah, there was a question in the chat saying, "Well, doesn't Arizona's offense match up well for USC's defense given that, you know, they don't run the ball quite as much they throw the ball?" Last like Utah barely ran the ball last week at all. USC sat back in a soft zone and Utah dinked their dinked and dunked their way down the field to the tune of 42 points. So, it just be they and they couldn't really run the ball. USC did a good job stopping the run in that game, but they just really didn't stop the pass. So, Arizona one of the better passing teams uh, in the country and in the Pac-12. It's like you would think earlier in the season. Hey, this is a team that doesn't run the ball quite as much. USC's forced so many interceptions, uh, but after the Utah game, you kind of wonder what the actual identity of the defense is. Makai Blackman said, you know, they're excited to go against a team that throws so much because that's just chances for them to make plays on the ball. Um, and they, they they did have some of those plays against Utah, where Kalen Bullock on the throw that Cameron Rising made in the end zone. You talk as much as you want about the the roughing the passer, but there was still a, a great play on the back end by yes. the defensive backs making a play on on an underthrown ball that maybe shouldn't have been thrown by rising so uh, there were plays that were made on the football that one of them got taken back and we're not talking about the refs because that was pretty much the entirety of the Sunday after Utah but if you don't focus on anything happening around the line of scrimmage or behind the offensive line that's a great play by Kalen Bullock who, who came down with an interception so I think that that part of the defense I think still is is better than it might have looked against Utah, where I think they're going to be better at defending the pass. They're not going to be as committed to stopping the run. I think that what they were kind of doing was committing to stop the run up front and then playing soft and trying to let Utah only let, get the short play. I think they might be a little bit more aggressive this time, uh, going one-on-one, trying to, to get the ball back because they know that arizona's gonna be throwing the ball so much they might try to be a little bit more aggressive as opposed to what i think we saw the first half of the arizona state game as well where they were really just letting the offense come to them uh that they ended up fixing the second half of that game just couldn't figure out against utah
2: yeah and i think the threat of the run and that's something that usc was giving up a lot of the edge runs and all that stuff so i think there was a conscious effort to try to stop that and then they sort of suffered on the, the what they did well with pass defense and i think in this one you're probably not as worried about the run, so maybe you can focus more on what you do well in the pass defense. So yeah, in that respect, I think they'll be it'll be a good matchup, like strength on strength.
0: Well, and I it actually kind of makes me wonder if, despite how good USC's offense is, that Lincoln Riley doesn't get tempted to run the ball and shorten the game a little bit. Yeah. You know, USC has, again, of the things that kind of maybe have surprised us this year, although it was funny because Lincoln Riley, I think he took it a little – Personally, when I was like – you had a 15-yard drive, 15-play drive. Maybe it was Fresno State. I don't know. It was one game, and I said – yeah. and the vibe was like, I don't feel like we see a lot of those from you. And he's like, well, you see a lot more than you think you do yeah. kind of a thing. <laughs> but but they've they've had seven-minute drives this year. Yeah, They've had game-shortening drives. And it, trust me, it's not like Lincoln Riley's ever going to not want to score points. But you just kind of wonder – First of all, just just health wise, for your sake of your players, do you really want to play a fifty to forty game on Saturday? You know what I mean? If you can play a thirty eight to twenty four, if you can play a thirty-one to seven, you know what I mean? Just because you shortened it because you could run the ball and they couldn't? I think it might be a little bit tempting, depending. Obviously how the game flows, how it starts is gonna have a huge part of that. But I really wonder if if he doesn't have the opportunity to run it, that he just doesn't take it because the more you're out there, the more not good things can happen. Right? If you're on defense,
2: I mean, it's a good point. We're you know you're watching this Utah game. They're without a bunch of key players, and that was from a bye, after a bye week, a very physical game where a lot of points were scored and a lot of plays. We don't know who's going to suit up for USC. I mean, we can talk about the injury stuff a little bit. You know, we don't get a lot of info, but Lincoln Riley was asked about it today. But you might not see Jordan Addison or Eric Gentry or Andrew Voorhees, or you might not see. Raylan forth. like, there might be a whole bunch of key guys, like, out for that one. Um, again, in a very physical contest, road game, if you can somehow just, you know, beat Arizona just by running Travis Dye 25 times, like... I think that's what you do. Yeah, I think it's probably the smart thing to do. You know? there,
1: yeah, there's been many games where uh, I do the, the halftime shows for the, for the student radio, and I, like, write up notes for the thing, and I was like, USC ran the ball so well why didn't they run it more? And I think coming into the year, I was a little surprised early on how well USC was able to run the ball. Specifically, I think it was that Fresno State game where they had the two 100-yard rushers. And you just kind of go in and it's like, I feel like USC could be a run first team if they really wanted to the offensive line's been so good in run uh run blocking and the running backs have been great it's like sometimes I feel like they do get a little bit away from the run um but especially since they're such a dangerous passing offense the run's just been so effective and I know they don't want Travis Dye to get hurt and he's been banged up throughout the season playing through everything like a warrior but you know it does feel like with the running backs they have the offensive line like this very well could be a team that runs the ball for more yards than they pass for a certain game if that's what they wanted and I know that's not Lincoln Riley's MO, but I think it's at least good that they have the ability to to go with either. I also
0: think the depth maybe starts to come into play. Because that's another question Lincoln Riley got kind of pointed from from someone this week was where's Austin Jones been? Yeah. Because it wasn't like he wasn't performing in his appearances, but you know, Lincoln Riley was kind of blunt about it. Like Travis Tye has been playing really, really well. You know, there's you gotta have a reason to take a guy off the field as much as a guy's gotta earn a reason on. But I think when you get into the second half of the season, for all the reasons we just talked about, especially the fact that Travis Dye, even though we're kind of advocating use him to shorten the game for USC's defense, he's not a huge dude. He's not necessarily a guy you want to spend 30 carries on week after week after week. So I think, you know, whether they're available or not, certainly you're dealing with a team that's seven games into their season. I think this is a a time when maybe you see more of that depth. I think maybe Austin Jones get some more work. I think some of the other receivers get some more work in this game just as a result of attrition. And for the fact that you're going to need all these guys for that final stretch, right? Just more things to consider as you go into
2: that game. If you're like walking around the USC campus and you don't know any of the players and like, you see like Travis Dye and his mustache kind of walk, walk into your accounting class or would you instantly go? Yeah. That's the star tailback of the team.
0: Well, You're more likely <laughs> to think he's the TA. Well, I mean, let's be real. Well, the dude's 26. Also. I've always, I've it's,
2: it, I actually, really want, 26?
0: yeah, i wanted to ask him that too, is like, because he's on a pedestal now. If, Travis Dye, if you Google Travis Dye in leader, I feel like he it's it's, like, yeah, has like 400 search, search results. Right. But I just wonder like, is he like that in life too? Like, He's also a twenty-six-year-old in classes as well. Like, mm-hmm. is he is he the leader in all the classes? Is he? You know what I mean? He's like, like getting he's, married and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, is, uh, he, is he having them over? Like, I don't know.
1: It's. I, I was shocked to learn he was in classes at all. Uh, I thought that he was, yeah, kind of just a, a grad student. He's that getting he, his doctorate or something. Something, yeah. but yeah, probably. Yeah, they, they mentioned this week he, he had a, a school project, and I was like, I a hundred percent thought he did not take any classes because i see players walking around campus and i'm like i've never seen travis die so i just assume he's 26 he's just not in classes he's he's just playing football for the semester so i was kind of surprised um to learn that there was a specific question that kind of asked uh and hinted at the depth uh from kevin on youtube asking that if addison doesn't play do you think that the arizona wide receiver top four is better than the usc wide receiver top four? four
2: oh um, that's a good question yeah i think it's I mean heading into the, the game, I think I think you're going to wait, kind of wait and see what happens in this one, um, but they, they've they've done really well, you know. Without Addison, like you might give the edge to Arizona, but it's close. I don't know.
0: USC's got some pretty good guys.
2: I mean, Mario Williams is like.
0: I mean, you've got, I mean, you. That's the thing. There's a whole layer of dudes who we still haven't even. You know what I mean? Like, right. There's Michael
1: the Jackson, guy, yeah. CJ Williams. Yeah, CJ Williams you know. was a much higher rated recruit than uh, Tate. Yeah, Terrell Kyle Ford was a five
2: star. You know, like yeah, yeah. There's, there's dudes that just aren't. Uh, Put it
0: like this: USC is far less compromised if they have to play this game without Jordan Addison than Arizona would be if any of those three guys yeah. were unavailable. I
2: think you're. Yeah, I think that's a very good point.
1: Yeah, Shotgun just texted me that Travis is only 23. So, RJ, I don't know where you're getting your, your age oh, from. Oh, his number's
0: 26. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say we'll
1: 26. will like, we'll just
0: blame it on that. Yeah, 26 is a bit of a stretch. I
2: feel like, I was like, I thought I would know that. Like, I was like, I'll trust RJ if he's twenty. Yeah, so 23. Thanks, Shotgun. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, all right. He's number 26. He's 23. Yeah, but in well, the reality.
1: But we didn't say he was age 26. We just said he is 26. So maybe we were talking about his he number. He, like, owns that number.
0: Oh, yeah. I got to wear that. Shotgun's our editor.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: he he never he never misses he never misses and he never misses any of my misses. Well, I think so. he's,
1: I think he's jealous of Ryan that he doesn't get to be on the podcast with us today.
2: Yeah, he he texted me like before, like, "Am I not on?" I'm like. I love, if he's here, I love it when he's going to be on. It's just, it's a little harder to do a remote. So if we can get three people that are in the studio, it's just a little better, you know? That's all. I, mean, I love having shotgun yeah. on. Yeah. He's great, obviously.
1: Well, and obviously, he's, he's good at fact checking us as well. Uh, yeah, we've got great. a couple other questions on YouTube. Oscar asks, uh, why didn't SC let Utah score on the last drive and then give Caleb uh, one to two minutes to drive and get the winning field goal?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're putting the Utah game in the rearview mirror, but yeah, I agree. I mean, they, I think they mishandled the last drive. Like, they should have called timeouts. You have to get a feel for, and I was talking to David Woods about this, about, did you guys watch the UCLA-Oregon game? So, Dan Lanning, we call him Land Danning on the show. Sure. Um, I'll coach Chip Kelly. Like, that was a game you could tell that there wasn't a lot of defense being played every possession mattered they went for a, a an outside kick early on to steal a possession they did better in the middle you know the middle eight you know the end of the first half beginning of the second half knowing that UCLA was going to get the ball to start the second half got up a couple of scores knowing that it was just going to be a back and forth back and forth thing yeah you're still going to try to get a force a field goal instead of a touchdown on defense but knowing that it's just going to be one of those back-and-forth games. If you can steal a possession here and there, that's that's a smart way to manage the game. The way it was coming down to the end of the Utah game, there's no way we, would you have thought that USC was going to get a stop. Like You have to think about our best chance to win this game is by getting the ball back and letting – I don't think you let them score, but you call your timeouts to get more time left on the clock. So I, I would have said that's what you do, not let Utah score. I, I don't mind you trying to stop them, but – call timeouts earlier on to to preserve some of the clock.
0: Yeah, I think that the thing that rankles or or frustrates in that in a situation like that is the clock is not going to save you. You know, I there there have been some games. I think yeah. there was a, there was a playoff game in the NFL last year the 49ers and the Cowboys where they literally just ran, the clock ran out on the Dallas Cowboys. But in most scenarios, especially in a game where the clock stops on first down conversions, like you're not gonna get saved by the clock. So your mindset has to be, we're either getting a stop or we need enough time to win the game. Yeah. Because if you save time and you get the stop, that's not a huge problem. Right. There's not a difference between taking three knees and taking one knee. Right. But there is a difference between getting the ball with 35 to 45 seconds left and a minute and 45 seconds left. Huge difference. There's a huge difference in the way you operate. And then the other thing, the one thing I will just say the play within the moment that crushed that last surge from USC's offense was they lost the time on the pick return that was negated
1: and the time on the kick return that was the kick was
0: return
2: negative. which I didn't think they should even return the kick and they returned it to the 50 I, but I thought Gary just Gary Bryan t-
1: against UCLA disagrees that's like that I have the same argument but then I just remember back to that that UCLA game where he, he I would rather put USC in the was, way
2: USC's performed on kick return this year I would rather Caleb Williams have 8 extra seconds than true. than even if you get a good return because yeah
1: I think that's fair they got a
2: good return and they got a penalty so I just feel like you're going to waste time and maybe get something good, but you're definitely wasting time. I would rather just give me the time, start at the 25, and go. But yeah. we don't need to talk about the Utah game anymore. Yeah. It, we're moving on.
1: Yeah, we've got uh, a couple other questions. Not as many questions in the chat today. Make sure you guys uh, leave some if you want us to answer them kind of right above. Uh, uh,
2: apparently, Washington State scored a touchdown. They did. So. It, six,
1: touchdown. Is it 6 7 nothing? Clark no? Phillips fell down in the end zone. So I think Actual he's still seeing dark. visions of uh, Jordan Addison. Uh, but yeah, moving on from the the Utah game, uh, someone asked, "Did USC learn to cover the tight end down the middle?" <laughs> we, they, there weren't many questions asked about the tight end this week. Um, it kind of seemed like a subject that USC players weren't talking about quite as much. I, I think I asked Mackay Blackman about it. He didn't know Dalton Kincaid by name, uh, and that was so I kind of funny, asked him by number. And I I, I don't know. We, there isn't. I don't think Alex Grinch would. Talk about. I don't know if he was asked this or you guys were in that scrum, but uh, I guess yeah, we don't really know much about whether USC learned to cover the tight end, uh, but I, I'll bet you there was more of an emphasis after Kincaid went 16 of 16 catches on targets.
0: Well, this was and again, not totally unexpected, but the Peristyle has had <laughs> no shortage of defensive coordinators <laughs> suggesting what needed to happen yep. schematically from a play calling you know perspective, but. USC took that issue head on last week, at least verbally, and time and again what they said was, yeah, we gave up catches, but we killed ourselves by not tackling and not finishing. And Kincaid specifically, I think if you go back to the film, there were multiple plays where a catch and an immediate tackle doesn't sink USC, but catch and lack of an immediate tackle – created month. i mean what did he have what was it 236 240 i forget i forget the number 234 when a tight end puts up over two bills on you it's very rarely because he's catching 80 yard
1: (laughs) he just fly patterns he just had a catch at the at the line of scrimmage that he took for uh 15 yards
0: so yeah so there you're like uh like six air yards and then how many scrimmage it was it was
1: a a air yard and and and, and and again
0: they're not really wrong either you you do need a better plan for the tight end especially in a game like that where he's the guy that they're targeting it it,
2: you know you can't like you can't let 16 balls go to the tight end and every single one of them be successful like not a single one wasn't successful like yeah that is insane like how does yeah i don't know that might be the worst performance against a single player USC's had in a long time, I would like think.
0: Like a skill guy. Yeah. Just constantly like, doing it where. Like, you like, could have
2: a guy catch, like, two 80 yard bombs or something, but, like, just the consistency mm-hmm. that Kincaid had. Like, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever seen well, something like that like before. Greg- 16 of 16. Like, what? Like, I don't know. If- consistency with the lack of suspense, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was so because clear. <laughs> everyone
0: knew where the ball was going yeah. they didn't at a have, certain point.
1: I mean, they really weren't finding many other weapons outside of him. Bailey had that, The he had some times where it was hard for for Makai Blackman to match up, they had that one deep ball down to the goal line. But outside of that, like no one else was really making plays. I was really shocked that like, I know it's not the Alex Grinch way to completely sell out on one player, but at the same time, I forced someone else on Utah to make a play. Which I, I was kind of surprised by. So I, I you're obviously not going to face a Dalton Kincaid every single game, and USC has had some problems guarding tight ends in the past couple years. But uh, I don't think that you're going to have a tight end go for, going for 265 yards on you and a couple touchdowns and 100 plus after the catch. But it, it sometimes, you know, all it takes is one play where the the offense needs a first down, they turn to the tight end. Uh, I think that that Arizona has a, a good enough tight end in uh, in Tanner McLaughlin to possibly make you know one or two of those clutch plays if they really need it. But again, you're not going to be facing Odell and Kincaid. But at the same time, I think it's it's definitely true that USC should have had a better plan going into that yeah. game.
2: If Arizona has a huge game, it's going to be like Delora and one of those receivers. They like have some crazy games. It's not going to be...
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, mean, look, McLaughlin 6'5". Yeah. There's almost no way Arizona doesn't try him. Yeah. If you're watching that Utah film, like, yeah. okay. Might as well try that. Yeah, yeah, let's give that a roll. So that that's the thing that's so fascinating, right, is that I think, like we said before, like, All the stuff that we've talked about, USC is going to get a very clear chance to demonstrate what they've learned and what they've done. It's not even, you know, it's not a thing where like you're playing a Stanford or you're playing like an Army or where there's no comparison to what you just (laughs) saw. So we don't really know what to do with this. I think Arizona has seen what works. I think the conference has seen what works. And we're at the stage of the season now where when you find something against another team, it's in the game plan. There's yeah, not, you are
2: going to – yeah, yeah,
0: there's not going to be a, well, we're, the, we're this kind of team, so we won't use that. No, they're going to throw to McLaughlin. They're going to throw to those guys. They're going to throw it up in the air. You know, Mac is 6'5". McLaughlin is 6'5". You're going to need answers there for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah, we've got another question. With Brendan Rice's lack of production, who could you see stepping up into his role? I
2: don't know if it, he has a role. I mean, just I everyone has, like, roles. Yeah, know, I don't
1: like know he, that I grant – the premise
0: necessarily yeah which is not to say he's had an enormous amount of production but in this wide receiver room again and I think it's a good sign this is very much a meritocracy yeah. this is very much what did you show us this week yep you know what I mean for Michael Jackson for um, Josh follow for all the all the receivers Kyron Hudson yep you know so I, I again with these guys who have dips in their production statistically it's not a simple thing of just well now that guy's done who's coming in next as michael jackson proved you can sleep on a guy for six weeks and there he is i mean again how many times have we tried not to go back to the utah game but i feel like we're living in that utah game but like if usc holds on that winning touchdown is like one of the biggest plays in this program
2: for In the last Jackson, yeah. like
0: five years it's the biggest play of his career yeah you know what easy. I mean it's it's a huge thing you know so I I wouldn't fixate too much on individuals I guess on a game- to- game basis right is is what I'm saying with with what they've got
2: I mean rice you got an easier stretch coming up rice could have you know Bunch of catches in all three of these games. Who knows? Like it's just. I think it's just going to change from week to week. But I wouldn't say he had some role, and now you got to find someone to replace his role. They've just. Yeah. They've moved guys around. They've done different things. It's a lot more fluid than that. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it, it, I mean, from what Lincoln Riley said, he's he's very. I don't know what word I would use, but he's. Excited to see what could possibly come from Terrell Bynum, Kyron Hudson. We've already mentioned Michael Jackson. They've got C.J. Williams waiting in the wings at some point. Uh, and obviously, there's still Brennan Rice and Mario Williams. Like Kyle Ford. Got Kyle Ford, too. He said he's happy to have back healthy. So there's, I mean, as we knew coming into the season, there's a, a large surplus. There's like a surplus of a surplus <laughs> of wide receivers in the USC wide receiver room. So uh, at some point, I think you're going to see them maybe not stepping into an individual role, but you could see him coming in for one or two plays and making a play like we saw from Michael Jackson and Kyron Hudson against Utah. A couple of rapid fire questions before we get to our predictions. Uh, Guy Smithson on YouTube asks, do you think USC sells out the Notre Dame game?
2: Oh. Um, you know, I think if USC beats UCLA and it's like a 10 and one, I think so. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame will sell tickets. Notre Dame's not very good. They have a Clemson game, like say Notre Dame beats Clemson. You know, who knows? We've seen Notre Dame do some weird stuff. Um, but yeah, I think they have a good shot at, at selling that one out.
0: I mean, clearly that will be the most, the best attended game of the year. Yeah. Right? We're just debating how well if it's or not will yeah. it be. But, you know, I, I don't know. That, that Saturday after Thanksgiving game, in my mind, is always like, oh, who wouldn't want to go do that? Yeah. But sometimes it's hard to a lot of students talk are people to yeah. yeah, it's hard to generate that, like, I'm always excited about that game, like, oh, what's the best thing I could do after Thanksgiving? Oh, there's a huge game going on, you, <laughs> know? And, you know, and after having covered Stanford, that game's a reality every other year, right? Yeah. They're either at Stanford to finish the year, or they're at USC to finish the year. So it's this big thing, and, you know, you had Carson Palmer knock down the Heisman, right, yeah. with that game in that window. So I... I hope it's. Close. It sh- I, I think it should be. Like yeah. if, if you're not going to that game,
2: what are you waiting? What for, were eh? you?
0: Yeah. What? What are you? What are you waiting for? Like I don't. You know I don't understand.
2: If so. USC like loses this week to Arizona or something, then you know maybe not. But I think you know, even if Notre Dame's bad, as long as USC has been pretty good, which we think they will be. Yeah, I think I think you got a good shot.
1: It might be the highest attended game for regular s- tickets and one of the lower attended games for all students, considering that like they'll have their student tickets. But I know a lot of people that aren't coming back early from Thanksgiving because, of course, classes restart back on the Monday after the game. And some students don't want to give up another couple days at home to come back for a Notre Dame game, especially this year where the game's not quite, I don't think, going to be as polarizing as we expected it to be coming into the year. Two more rapid fire ones. Uh, do you think the NCAA is going to investigate what Lendell White said recently? I don't know if you guys saw what he said. I believe it was on a podcast saying that when he moved in at USC, he found a bag of money in his apartment.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, Lendell likes to talk too, so no, I don't. He think- He cleaned
1: they, that up too. I think so. He yeah. said, "Take a joke,
0: people." Yeah. I guess my rapid fire would be: God, I hope not. But it's the NCAA yeah. and given a chance to do the right thing and the not right thing. Talk about your coin flip with the yeah. USC Turner, like. They're way over into the more likely to do the annoying thing, so who knows? I think they got their hands
2: full right now with all the NIL stuff, so I don't think they can worry about Anything, anything old from from statute of limitations. Yeah, Yeah. what are we we
1: doing? They can't, they can't take Reggie Bush's Heisman away twice. (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Uh, And then the the last rapid fire one is: What does the defense look like next year? And this is something that I've thought about: is like the USC defense does have a lot of young pieces. Uh, You're going to return two freshman All-American from last year, and Eric Gentry and Kalen Bullock. Tui Tui Polotu's probably gone. We'll see about Makai Blackman, but I think that you've got a lot of young pieces that profile to stay for next year.
2: I think you've added like real bona fide superstars on the offensive side and they added good players on the defensive side. They probably need to try to get – if you can get a stud defensive tackle, you can get a stud rush end or something, you might see that portal aspect of it get hit a little harder.
0: I think the line of scrimmage on both ends is incredibly fascinating for USC. Need to next year, Like it's going to be – however they do it, it's going to be a vastly different group. It'll be really interesting to see what they do about it.
1: It feels like since uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Adoree Jackson, that one year where it was kind of the decision where USC fans weren't sure whether they were going to stay or come back, haven't felt like they've had such a polarizing decision. I think along the offensive line, you're going to have a lot of those this offseason, whether it's Brett Neilan deciding to go to the draft, Justin Dietrich could potentially decide to stay and sp- switch over to center, which he was recruited at, which would be huge because then you're filling, you know, you're filling a hard to fill spot with someone who's played at an All Pac-12 level. So I think that's kind of one area where you're going to have to look. But for the defense, I think they've got some pieces, and you might again look at another big transfer portal year. But uh, let's get to our predictions because it's a 15 and a half point spread. There's a couple yeah. questions uh, about, you know, over under. Does SC give up uh, more or less than 27 and a half points? Someone asked if. Cal scored 49 against Arizona. How many points is USC going to score? So uh, we can kind of give our spread picks and maybe a score prediction if you have one in mind.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start, like, just, you know, full disclosure. Like, pretty much all the last couple years, I've picked against USC in the spread and done really well. And this year, I went completely with USC in the spread. I believe 5-2 and two are my picks so far. This is going to be the first week I'm going to take the opponent. I'm going to take Arizona's. Uh, and the 15 and a half on the road. I mean, we're so this uh Utah Washington State game right now in the second quarter seven seven. Utah was a a road favorite. Um I just feel this week in the Pac-12, and we've seen this a lot, that the a lot of home dogs getting a lot of points. And I think USC is going to win the game, but I think it's probably more like 10 or even 14 points. That's a pretty good win. You're talking about winning by three scores to cover this spread, and I'm just not USC could do it. USC could win fifty-five to seven. You know, like that if you if that happened, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, that's shocking. Like certainly would not be yeah. shocking. I think it's just more likely though that they're gonna give up some points. Arizona's gonna be feisty, homecoming, their score. You know, if Arizona scores 30 and USC scores, you know, forty five, like you're still not covering. You know, like that's still not a cover in this game. So 45-30, five thirty, you're like, oh, that's a comfortable win. Um, you score a lot of points. Uh, so that's why I'm going to just take the points on this one. First time, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, first time I'm going to take uh, Arizona. I mean, the opponent in points.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think my feel in terms of confidence is the same as yours, but just on the other side of it, I picked, I picked USC. That's a big number.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's like, did, did I talk big, you into it's like a
0: big, it's a big, <laughs> well, I, I almost talked myself out of it as I was submitting it, you know, when we do it for the, for the article. Um, that's a big number under any circumstance in any context right but i guess at the end of the day i'll say what is likely to happen i think usc is going to get into the 40s because as as i think jack said it's been 40 or above for the offense in every game but one this every game season but two. oh but two right the uh
2: and arizona's given up three losses 49 points each time
0: arizona is putrid defensively <laughs> i see arizona getting to the low 20s and then i see Enough USC takeaways to keep them down there. Okay. So 4224, which gets it done for me, right? Yeah, not a math guy, but yes. <laughs> that gets it done, right? But 42-27 does not, right? <laughs> so I'm going to be rooting against some some 48-yard Arizona field goal with like six seconds left that no one's going to be caring about, but it's going to be determining, you know, my level of expertise for the week.
2: Yeah, you, get, you have to worry about the backdoor aspect of this too, because USC could be up clearly by you know three scores, 24 points or 21 points, a lot of it, and then Arizona gets a garbage time touchdown, you know, and they end up covering. So. Yeah, we'll see. All right, what do you got, Jack?
1: Well, I I think you guys are kind of conservative about it. I mean, f- saying USC is going to score forty-two when in all three or the three of the last four games for Arizona they've allowed exactly forty-nine points. Like uh, USC hasn't been in above the fifty since the Rice game where they put up sixty-six. I- I'm rather confident they're getting to fifty points, and it's hard to not win by more than fifteen and a half points when you're scoring you 50. fifty. That's true. Uh, so even Arizona they've they've scored thirty-plus points in five of seven games. I believe USC's averaging twenty. 20- 22 ish points a game given up uh so even if you have arizona in that range where you can score if you're them up to 35 points ish and if usc's in the 50s usc's still covering the spread i i i've definitely bought in uh to everything the players are saying this week with the the energy around the confidence that they had after the utah game i kind of feel like this one could be not a game pretty early on, and I think USC um, is going to look to fight some demons after the Utah game, and they're going to score a lot of points against Arizona. And The defense isn't perfect, but at the same time, uh, that's what we kind of said going into the Washington State game. We're like, they have got they can have a pretty good offense, and the, the defense bounced back in that game. So I don't think we're going to see the same defense that allowed 42 points to Utah. Again, they're not perfect, but at the same time, I think this is going to be a very big game for the USC offense. I think they win by more than 15 and a half, get up to above 50 points. Nice. All right. All right. Well, it's, it's more fun when there's battles, right? Right. It's yeah. no
0: fun when we all pick the same thing right. every week. You know what I mean? We, we for those I'm of also, us who are not in first place,
2: I'm in first place. We so
0: need a I chance can... to we need to we need to gain some ground on the boss. So this is our this yeah. is our chance right here.
1: I also have been been bitten in the in the ankle by a lot of picks like that where I'm like, oh, the Rice game, that's way too many points. What were they favored by, like, 25-ish, 20, 24? like 29. Jack is chastened 29. by that
0: game. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and I, think- I
1: was like, there's no way. And then I was completely right for the first half, and then they decided to come out and throw three picks or two pick sixes <laughs> right off <laughs> the bat to start you. the yeah, second yeah. half. And I'm like, well, uh, there, there that goes. So, um, you know, I, I think that – uh, I'm gonna go not conservative. I feel like it's kind of more conservative now to pick a pick USC and the points as opposed to to pick them not to cover.
2: Yeah, I would just say it's, if this was a home game, I would pick USC minus 17 or something like that. But just being on the road, I'm telling you, it's just
0: Pac-12 after dark.
2: Pac-12 games for whatever reason have been really tough on the road. You know, you just don't look the same. Like you don't, you know, yeah. A lot of people are scoring a lot of points. Um, they're doing it against Arizona at home mostly. You know, so. You know, this is on the road, so we'll see. But scoring that many points is hard sometimes. You
1: can, know? We, yeah. can we get a day game at any point? Kind of wondering if that's ever gonna if that's ever gonna happen this season.
2: I mean, homecoming's <laughs> a seven, so Cal. There's is only
0: a,
1: one chance left. There's only one
0: open. So, well, realistically, right? I guess they could, in theory, put the Notre Dame game on it today, but yeah, that seems not. destined for five p.m. You would like, think is so, it yeah. ever on it another? Because you have to consider the Notre, the, the Midwest. Like, they're not. That's kind of when they want to watch. Yeah. the game, kind of a deal. So, I think the UCLA. I mean, twelve thirty. In the classic blue that would be and pretty red good. uniforms. That would be yeah. good. That would be a reward for a number of 730. Who even cares what uniforms are Watch it wearing. be like
2: the big new, the Fox. Yeah, like,
0: big, you know, yeah like, get it.
1: Gus Johnson
0: in there. Let's, let's I'm do just something. Worried.
1: I already look pale enough behind the lights that like <laughs> with all the night games, I'm not getting enough sunlight on Saturdays. So yeah, no, it's, especially well, with the Cal is. announcement for 730 p.m. I'm just hoping they've got another day game so I can get some sun.
2: Nice.
1: Uh, I think that's all we've got. You guys have any kind of final thoughts as we wrap it up?
2: Make sure you I, check out USAFootball.com. Oh lots of content going up. RJ's is writing great stuff. Austin, great stuff. Trevor, Trevor,
0: Trevor great article on Max Williams yeah, this I week. If you didn't down, read that, you need to take the time to do that. But the last thing is we need a name for the studio. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're uh, throwing it out there. You're putting it out to Yeah, the, you
2: guys like so this is our tunnel vision studio? So that's what uh, Jack called like tunnel vision studios. We do more. We do a lot of podcasts in here too, more than just Tunnel Vision. But I don't know. What do you think? uscfootball.com, dot com studio. What should we call it? If you guys have any ideas, it's the era of branding. We've got to gotta have. The, we got to have
1: it. We got to have branding. The two four seven sports. uscfootball.com, dot com studio where they film all the podcasts. Plus plus plus
2: plus plus plus. <laughs> like yeah. that one commercial, <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, send no. us to, send us to your ideas. Uh, tweet at any or of your
0: us. sponsorship offers. Like if you yeah. want it named after you, I think maybe uh, we would we we are, be open to that. Would we, we, are... we would
1: definitely be
2: open to that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, for sure. Thurston yep.
1: Howell, come 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 to the Sunday show with preloaded studio name ideas, and best one will get shouted out on the show. And I will I'll search through them and and put my favorite one on the, the best screen. one might win.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. The, we we need a name for we something. A plaque or at least the sign. Imagine cutting ceremony.
0: Put it on the whiteboard if nothing. We else. We can put it on
2: the whiteboard, yeah. Uh, but make sure you hit the like and subscribe button on all that stuff. We will try to get the uh, Facebook, the Facebook stuff running. And I forgot we had a new, an updated intro with some cool new uh, highlights. So I forgot to download that. I will get that for next time. So Sunday we'll have a new intro to the show too. So those are way to of fun. tease it,
1: RJ. Yeah. You know I've noticed that we're not on the intro. We're on the show, but we're not on the intro. Well, I know. Well, we got it you,
0: you gotta earn it. I'm joking. You gotta earn it. We, it's uh, fine.
1: We can work on it. yeah we I can. Mean, I think we need a studio name before that. Uh, I like so. the
0: joy and wonder that they get when it we pop on Jack. Oh, that's true. <laughs> you that's know what I mean? True. It's like oh, usual cast of characters. Oh wait, no, it's the fun guys. yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, anyways, I think that's going to wrap up all we've got for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tunnel Vision. Enjoy USC's game against Arizona on Saturday. We'll be back here on Sunday night. It'll be me, Ryan, and Chris. Unfortunately, no RJ till next Thursday. Uh, but we'll be breaking down everything that happens in, USC, in the USC game. USC favored by 15 and a half. Make sure to check out uscfootball.com for all the articles and news prior to the game. And follow us all on Twitter for updates during the game. But that's all we've got. We'll see you guys on Sunday.